Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 140. Today, on episode 140, we have another incredible family and friends guest, the great Raynard Jackson, a longtime veteran of the conservative movement in the Republican Party, an expert in, in communications as a, as a liaison from the black community for the conservative vote or the Republican vote, worked under the Bush administration, which he and I talk about in the episode. I'm sure that's going to be a going to be uh, interesting and insightful for everybody out there uh, a look into the inside of of that that faction or that time period of the of the Republican party um Raynard Jackson's a, a, an American patriot is a good friend and it would behoove many in the Republican party to uh follow uh, some of his his guidance some of his advice and directive about how to reach the the black community in a more substantive way and don't get me wrong the polls are, as Sonny Johnson echoed last week, the polls suggest that Donald Trump is up with men of color. Um, but we can't define the strategy based on um, some form of progress. We, we, live at, we are living in a time, a dire state in this country, where we need the most efficient and maximum amount of progress that we can, that we can find that's out there for us. Um, and he and I and Sonny and, and Hotep Jesus and a number of people that that uh, I continue and will continue to bring on the podcast, along with the great Steve Bannon. All of us are obviously uh, friends of Steve. Him, Hotep doesn't doesn't know Steve, I don't think. But Sonny and 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 I and Ray Nard are all great friends of Steve Bannon. And he he was uh the one of the first people, one of the first prominent individuals in the conservative movement. That, that prioritized and targeted the black working class uh, and Hispanic uh, working class to, to help um, catapult this America first nationalist populist movement that they now say is extreme because, you know, in the black community, for example, in Chicago at, at, at the town hall or at city hall, uh, they're complaining that we're giving our, our money, our tax money uh, to illegal immigrants. Um, and, and they are right to do so. But there's a movement on the rise, and there's nobody that can speak to it better than the great Raynard Jackson. So without further ado, Raynard Jackson. Welcome, the great Raynard Jackson, to Please Call Me Crazy. It's a pleasure to have you, brother. Uh, long time coming. I know you're going to give me shit about not having you on sooner. Um, but I'm very excited to have you on the show today, and I can't wait for the audience to get more insight from another American patriot who has been deeply involved in Republican politics and the conservative movement um, as as a, an American citizen. But here on Please Call Me Crazy, we've had a, a number of episodes that didn't try and shy away from the race component that, that you know, undergirds American politics, because it does. And we have to deal with it, especially if we're going to save the country in, in one of its darkest hours. Um, so just to start here, I want to do a brief, brief introduction and let you introduce yourself because I, I couldn't do it, do it justice. Um, 
give us just the audience a brief introduction of your background, where you were born, raised, how you came up, and then your your initiation into the conservative movement of Republican politics. Feel free to stop when you want, and and we'll get on with uh with the the politics of today. I want people to hear more about what you think about what's going on now, but. Give us a little bit of the Raynard Jackson backstory, if you can. I appreciate it, man. I am flattered that you would deem someone such as myself worthy to be in your presence, man, because I know the highest place on earth is at your feet. So I humbly submit myself to be in the high final. <laughs> Come on. Well, you know I'm going to have to give you a hard time because, hell, there's no telling when I'm going to do this again with you. We'll bring you on again. You. We'll bring you on again, Nick, because you're giving me shit. I'm going to bring you back <laughs> on again sooner than you than you want, okay? Well, good deal, good deal. Well, yeah, well, well, Roy, appreciate it, but I'm right down the river from you. I'm down to Mississippi. You're up to Mississippi. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, originally, mm-hmm. born and raised. And in St. Louis, if you are black, you're a Democrat. That's just the way it is. I mean, there's no if, and, and bust. There is no multiple choice. There is do not pass go. You go straight to the Democratic Party. That's just, and it's like that to this day, Roy, to be honest with you. And uh, end up when I finished high school, end up going to Oral Roberts University, and uh, they paroled me after four years for good behavior. And uh, <laughs> I often tell our good friend Steve Bannon that uh, I got evangelical ties that most white folks would give their right arm for, because mm. now a lot of people I went to school with at Oral Roberts, now they're the big preachers now, black and white, all across the country. And yet, what Martin Luther King said 60 years ago is still true today. The most segregated hour in America is 11 a.m. Sunday morning, Mm. making reference to our churches. Blacks go to one, whites go to the other, and the twain shall never meet, which I think is ridiculous in the 21st century that churches are still segregated. But one day we can talk about my experiences in the religious evangelical community because you find, in my view, more racism there than in society as a whole. Mm. And I can give you chapter and verse about what I've seen with my own eyes and and experience. So no one believes it, Royce, but my undergrad's in tax accounting. And so before I became a Christian, I spent years in the tax uh, business. And uh, and then literally, Royce, I got an appointment, I think, uh, when I left Oral Roberts, went back home. Uh, John Ashcroft was governor back in Missouri then. He gave me a political appointment in the uh, finance area. And I had a lot of power back then as a 22-year-old. And so one day I get this call from some guy named Bucky, I'm like, who the hell is Bucky? I don't, I'm black. I don't know no Bucky's. I know a buck wheat, but I don't know no Bucky. <laughs> so, I mean, and this guy says to me, we've been monitoring your career. Now, I'm really, now remember, this is pre-internet and all that cell phone stuff. Like, what the hell you mean you've been monitoring my career? And he says, I know you're studying for the CPA exam. I'm like, how the hell you know that? Most of my family don't even know that. And I get some Bucky calling me out the blue talking about you've been monitoring my career. And when you finish the CPA exam, call me. I want to take you out to lunch. I'm like, okay, I don't do drugs. I ain't murdered nobody. So what this guy wants to talk to me, but I have no idea. So after the exam, this is in September, 
the exam's in November, the first week. So after I take the exam, I call this guy up and we go out to lunch. And he again says, we've been monitoring your career and our family wants you to work with us. And I mean, I'm, again, I'm 22 years old. Mm. So this is like coming out of nowhere. This guy, Bucky, was Bucky Bush, the then vice president's brother, George H.W. Bush. Wow. And they were gearing up for the, his presidential ra- uh, race after, you know, Reagan's two terms. And they said, we want you to chair our campaign in St. Louis. He said, don't answer me now. Think about it. Now, Royce, come on. I'm 27 years old. I get a chance of a lifetime like that. What is that to think about? But I'm trying to play cool and stuff. And so I ended up accepting that role back then. And when we won the White House, I came up here. And that's how I ended up in D.C. because of the Bush family, who they have a lot of family in St. Louis. And uh, so that's where I broke my political teeth at on the national level. And after we left the White House, decided to finish up grad school here in Virginia, George Mason University, another iconic conservative school, and uh, opened up my own firm and been doing that ever since. So that's kind of the short background of how I got here. And I've worked with uh, campaigns all across the country for Senate, for governor, Congress, and Matter of fact, I was senior advisor to Ron DeSantis, believe it or not, in 2018 when he ran for governor against Mm. Andrew Gillum. And what we did in the black community was his margin of victory because we won by, I think, less than a point. And we made significant inroads into the black community. The number one issue for black females was school choice and vouchers. Ron Gillum, our opponent, said, you vote for me, I'm shutting down all these school choice schools and all that. So black women said, we ain't trying to hear that. And two issues with black males, the Second Amendment and entrepreneurship. DeSant, I mean, uh, Gillum said, you vote for me, I'm raising your taxes. You vote for me, I'm taking away your Second Amendment. And enough black males said, we ain't trying to hear that. So that's how DeSantis got in his first term as governor. Mm. So you're you're a stalwart in the Republican Party now. Many of my many of my uh, my fans and audience have heard me rail against the neocons and rhinos. So we're going to talk about the two terms uh, going forward here. We may have some disagreement. I'm not sure, but I, first I want to talk about the importance of the black vote, or, or um, let's let's say let's first talk about the narrative of the black vote. Vote. I'm seeing more and more people. Uh, on the conservative right or in the Republican Party make the claim that the black vote is somehow inconsequential, which for the life of me, I can't understand, given how, uh, you know, uh, Raphael Warnock beat Herschel Walker in a runoff in the greater Atlanta area. Donald Trump loses in the greater Atlanta area by 11,000 votes, 11,000 ballots, half of which they now claim could be funny money. And um, and and Black Hollywood as, is as influential in Atlanta as it is anywhere in the country. So you got both Black people in the community, but you also have a heavy presence of of the Black celebrity or the Black uh, you know uh, elite, let's call them, uh, on the political process in, in small marginal numbers. But but historically, talk about the the conservative movement or the RNC's inability to uh, to prioritize and, and capture the Black vote. What what do you attribute that to? Well, it's not an inability. It's a uh, a total disregard and a callous disregard for even the effort. 
Let me tell you something, Royce. Outside of all the political things I do, I represent some of the biggest names in pro sports, NBA, NFL, Hollywood. And I was on the phone over the weekend with probably one of the top two or three black comedians. And he and his wife both told me, unsolicited, oh, I'm voting for Trump because I make more money when Republicans are in control. Mm. And so there's not, the issue is not, Royce, convincing blacks to vote Republican. The problem is blacks don't view the Republican Party and the conservative movement as a viable alternative. Right. And see, that's my concern with Trump. Yeah, you got some Black Lives Matter guy come out and say he's supposed to. Why is it that conservatives always goes for the shiny toy? But those who have been in the trenches for years, like me and you, they ignore us. But as soon as Jamie Foxx sent out a tweet like, I like low taxes, the Republicans have an orgasm. See, Jamie Foxx is conservative. No, he said he likes low taxes. He didn't say nothing about his willing to link up with the Republican Party. The Republican Party and the conservative movement, they are lazy. They don't want to do the hard work of cultivating relationships with black folks. They want to go to, isn't it amazing when Trump was president, I used, I used to go to the White House and castigate the staff. And even Trump was surprised when I told him in a meeting, I'm offended at this, uh, this uh, criminal justice reform bill that you are pushing and Jared Kushner, who thought he was more black than I am. And the reason I was against it, Royce, is not philosophically. I was for it philosophically. But you know as well as I know, Royce, you get Pookie and Raheem out of jail, nonviolent offenders. Coca-Cola is not going to hire him with a federal rap sheet. Uh, Boeing Raytheon is not going to hire him. You may be lucky if even McDonald's hamburgers will hire him with a right. criminal past. Right. So doesn't it make, my argument was, doesn't it make more sense to focus on the black entrepreneur? Make sure they are flourishing and growing and expanding their business. Why? Because Pookie and Raheem, if you're going to let them out of jail early, more than likely the black businessmen in the community went to high school with this kid's mother or father. Or the black preacher called the local black businessman up and said, hey, you know, Pookie and Raheem, them, they're getting out of jail. So they made some stupid choices, and I think they got their act together. I need you to hire them as a favor to me. That's why I was against it. Why is it whenever conservatives think about blacks, they always go to the hood, poor people, folks who are on welfare or were on welfare, got their life together. Why is it that you never... Show me, Royce. Show me the video. Show me the photo of anybody that's conservative or Republican in leadership with a group of black entrepreneurs. Show me. I challenge you. I challenge your audience. Show me the video. Show me the photo. Mm. It doesn't exist other than the events I do because I focus strictly on the black entrepreneur and which is why I had to get out here in a little bit. Uh, I'm hosting a major lunch and dinner with uh, 10 of the top black, Indian, Hispanic, and Asian entrepreneurs in the country, all conservative. They're doing, a lot of my guys are doing 25 million up to three or 400 million. Mm. 
Mm. Nobody talks to them. They're conservative. They are involved in that community. They're philanthropists, and nobody talks to them. Mm. I tell you what happened to me this year. <clears throat> One of my clients, black company, kicking butt, doing about 100 mil. They wanted to support the NRCC, the House Campaign Committee, which is responsible for getting House members reelected and elected. Mm-hmm. This client said, I want to, I'm willing to give $100,000 to the committee. This is back in March. I said, I'm not having you give any money until you have a sit down with, with the chairman of the committee. I'm still waiting on it to happen. Wow. A hundred. Now, how many black folks, you know, throwing around six figures in this party? Zero. Yes. Zero. Yes. Very and serious. so these, these are the things I go through as someone, Royce, who got party credentials, as you well know. Yeah. Got relationship with the highest level of MAGA and Rhino Republican. And yet I'm trying to bring value to the table. And what do my guys want these entrepreneurs? Treat us like you treat your white friends. Mm. If there's a business opportunity, but, call but wait, them up but, and say. But, but wait, Raynard, wait, wait, wait. You're gonna have. Uh, I can. All, I can feel the comments. I said it when I interviewed Hotep Jesus. This is the unspoken line. And since I started the podcast, I've always been very unapologetic uh, in, in talking about race, uh, because one of the common uh, catchphrases or, or you know, uh, sentiments in the the Republican or right wing conservative movement is, "Let's not talk about race. Racism is a is 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 a non-issue." Or race is a non-issue. We don't need to talk about race. We're all American, or we're all. And I said from the very beginning, if this is what your enemy's going to use, if they're going to, if they're going to, uh, you know, shape a narrative, if they're going to, if they're going to create a culture, if they're going to create a conversation based on race, we have to talk about it to sort it out. There's no amount of ignoring it that's going to change it. And and in fact, it starts to look like a lot of people are saying, let's not talk about race. Let's not talk about race. Because they're in on some some nefarious or or uh, in this case masochistic sort of uh, strategies or worldviews when it comes to the politics, and this is why our good friend Steve Bannon is our good friend Steve Bannon because he was the one guy who was highly credentialed, highly educated, who looked at the whole scam and said, "Wait, wait, wait! You mean to tell me we're not going to focus on the working class, Hispanic, and black men? Are you kidding me? And what in what world? Are I mean, it's not even." And, and you see now, 49%, the latest CNN poll shows that 49% men of color are in support of Donald Trump, to echo what you said about your, your, your comedian friend. My friend's the same way. Um, you could say that Ice Cube in some ways triggered a lot of that. He was the early one starting that. Obviously, I came in, uh, you know, to, to the movement early. But even after that last season, I had the Trump one on the side of my head during the big three season. People were like, you're an election denier. I'm like... People been cheating in elections since time immemorial. I mean, that's just like a, a common part of elections. But um, what what is it about the conservative movement? I mean, I know you're, you're giving me the examples, but what is it about the conservative movement that 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 doesn't prioritize this this you know essential piece of, of of the narrative and of the strategy? I mean, what is, is it? Is it really some racial animus that people just don't want to acknowledge? Because that's what I, I start think- to think it is. I, I honestly, I'm going to say, I'm going to be honest. In my time in the movement, I'm going to be honest. When I hear talk about reparations, whether you're for it or not, when I hear the conversation come up and I see comments like, um, 
you know, you you were brought to this country, that's reparations enough, or go back to Africa and ask for reparations. I, I start to feel like there's, you know, when I watch Fox News or Alpha News, Alpha News did this recent documentary, Fall of Minneapolis, which now has 3 million views because so many conservatives have, have uh, uh, you know, uh, foam in their mouth when it comes to the George Floyd and Derek Chauvin thing. My whole thing was this thing was a scam from the beginning. The narrative was a scam. The way they wanted to use it was a scam. But don't let the police go around and roughhouse people, whether they're black, white, Asian, or green. Doesn't matter. Um, but now, you know, the fall of Minneapolis. Now, as soon as Donald Trump starts to build momentum with the black vote, now we're going to go revisit Derek Chauvin and George Floyd and say that George Floyd, Derek Chauvin did nothing wrong that George Floyd was a thug and he deserved to die. I mean, I see the comments. So in your experience, what is it that has has had the conservative movement completely overlook this this wide open territory of black entrepreneurs and, and, and black affluent Americans that would be amenable to Republican politicians? Well, Royce, the more I think about this issue, the more I've concluded that I think it has less to do with race or racism Mm-hmm. More so than it's natural for a human to gravitate towards that towards that which he's familiar with. Right. Which indicates that most conservatives in leadership and in powerful positions, they're not used to being around people like me and you. And then with those who reach out of their comfort zone, they go out to the Candace Owenses and the Diamonds and Silks and have them tell them what they want them to hear versus what they need to hear. So people like you and I are considered controversial because we're not going to bite our tongue. Right. And I'm amazed that when I'm down in Palm Beach, Florida, which I, I'm there quite a bit, when I'm meeting with donors, I said, listen, if you think trotting out Diamond and Silk and Candace Owens is going to ingratiate yourself with the black community, they have no connection, no ties to the black community. And here's what I hear most of these donors say to me in some form or fashion. We like them. We think they're funny. I said, and that's your problem. You think blacks are here to entertain you. We're not. (laughs) And my biggest criticism of Donald Trump, most of the blacks around him are entertainers Mm. and famous people, famous blacks who have no ties to the community. Again, show me the photo. Show me the video of Donald Trump four years in the White House of meeting with a group of uh, credible black entrepreneurs. I ain't talking about the mom and pop. The guys I'm talking about doing hundreds of millions a year, minority black who are uh, conservative, they don't meet with them because they are not entertainers but, and buffoons. With, with, with respect, Donald Trump is an entertainer himself in many ways. Now, he's, he was, he's president of the United States. I think he was cheated. And I also think that he did some very... Uh, some some high level some high level gravitas things as president. Obviously, that's why a lot of people want him back, at least by comparison. But do, is there a part of the black community that is a little susceptible to this type of strategy? Of I mean, we got to take some ownership here and say, hey, hey, we do have a tendency to 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 gravitate towards the superficial. I mean, look at our look at our elites. I mean, our elites are. We could say in in the reverse respectfully in the reverse i mean i'm i'm as street as they come <laughs> I, I i know what i know what my guys pay attention to i know what they're watching on instagram i know what they're for the majority of the time now i also know when i come with that real shit they, they they'll shoot me a message like damn dog that was deep 
but they're still going back to the superficial. So the machine has definitely targeted the superficial in everybody, but black people the most. So is it is it not is it not a a, a reasonable strategy to to try and hire or or bring people around that that can talk in the superficial, even if it's not deep? I mean, I, do you understand? Like, I understand. My thing is, and this is why I told Jason Whitlock, I say this. Yes, you want to access people through inter- entertainment, but you have to have that balance of gravitas. If you don't have the balance of gravitas and, and credibility, then it all gets lost in entertainment. And that's where a lot of the, the black conservative movement uh, has been up until this point. I, th- I actually like the direction Candace is going. I don't know if you've heard her talk lately, but I, I kind of like the direction she's going. She, I think nine, eight-month pregnant Candace is much more... Uh, much more uh, le- is 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 less interested in the bullshit than than under normal circumstances. But um, how do we balance the entertainment piece that we need in an entertainment driven world and the gravitas? Well, the entertainers I'm talking about who are conservative, they're not only entertainers, but in my case, more importantly, they're businessmen. Mm. They care about taxes. They care about the quality of their local school system, whether they send their kids to private or public is not the point. The point is they got a vested interest. They're tied to the community. Yeah. Uh, they care about the crime rate because they hire people from the hood and they're worried about whether they're going to get mugged in from the car to the office or when they're out in the field doing their thing. And so you have a natural ally who have... Royce, now, I've been black most of my life. And I know your audience is going to find that hard to believe, but I have. And right, um, right. if you look at the composition of the black church, the, normally the chairman of the deacon board and chairman of the board of trustees is the black, black entrepreneur. So if you get the entrepreneur on your side, he'll bring you the pastor who will bring you the congregation. But too many white evangelicals think they know more about blacks than me and you. And... Um, these preachers today don't have the gravitas that they had back in the day where they were respected. People like T.D. Jakes, or they're, 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 they're buffoons. They're minstrel shows. Right. And they're, all they're trying to do is sell their soul to get another dollar bill. Now, I got one of my buddies um, that lives down in Naples, Florida, in, in Byron Donald's district, uh, played with the Chicago Bears. Brilliant guy, great NFL career, 12, 14 years in the league, very conservative. He and his wife involved in a local community. Why is no one talking to people like him? I got Grammy Award winning uh, songwriters, producers, black, who come to all of my events, conservative, on on the record. They're not hiding. Why is no one reaching out to these guys? I brought them to the party. I brought them to meet party leadership. They meet and have a great time, and then there's no follow-through. So, again, until they put people like you and I in these positions of power and influence, uh, listen, Royce, the RNC is so dumb. Back in 2020, they sent a 30-year-old military vet, a brother, to go into the hood to knock on doors, openly homosexual. Now, would you send a Jew into a Palestinian community or vice versa? But that, that's how stupid the Republicans are when wait, it comes wait, to Wait, us. wait, 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 wait. They sent a 30-year-old veteran, black veteran who was homosexual, into the black community to knock on doors? 
I wrote a column about it. Yep. A homosexual veteran? Yes. Yes. I, and I don't wonder even, why I don't, he I made no progress. I don't even understand what, what uh, I can barely even comprehend what that means. Why would they do that? Let me tell you what it means, Royce. It's very simple. Conservatives don't care about the caliber black they surround themselves with. As long as they have one, therefore they can't be racist. Oh! That's my African American. Don't matter whether he's qualified to but do what you But would you say? Would you say outside of? Would you say outside of people like Steve Bannon that they 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 um they they actually are they're not only it's it's not a a, a lackluster or a naivete or an incompetence. They're actually afraid of of black people with gravitas. Oh, well, well, without question. Okay. They are. Well, then that is. But but my point is that is that is the hidden racial animus. That, that I'm talking about. So it's not, and, and I want to be very clear about this. Steve Bannon is who he is because he's a no-nonsense straight shooter for the most yep. part. Now, we know him personally. Everybody has a little bullshit in their game, but Steve has the, the least amount you could possibly find, okay? I got bullshit in my game. I'm the first one to admit it. But, but the reason why Steve has had the success he's had and the reason why Donald Trump's movement, whether they want to admit it or not, the, Donald Trump's success, is largely in, due to the fact that that Steve has gone out of his way to prioritize the black vote, um, but but also that he's bringing black folks in that actually have substance, and and you know they, they're getting away from the black minstrel show. My point is, would you make the argument? Could you make the argument that the RNC going after these caricature black folks uh, was done intentionally to lose? Do are we under the belief that they actually wanted to win, or did they do this on purpose? Oh, no, there's no question that they do it on purpose. Again, Royce, they use the blacks, the few blacks they surround themselves with is what I call race insurance. I can't be racist. I have a black on staff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the number of times, man, I've gone to meet with a senator or a congressman, and they can have a someone black sweeping the floor. I'm there to talk about nuclear nonproliferation, but they will bring that one black in the meeting as if to say, I have a black on staff, so therefore I'm not a racist. It, what you just did proved to me you're racist. Yes, that's very racist. Absolutely. Yeah. But that happens all the time. Uh, 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 one of the first things I ask a potential candidate that I may work on their campaign for who's white, I said, can you tell me the last time you had a black person to your house for dinner who wasn't serving it to you. Mm. And almost without exception, they can't not name the last time. Mm. That's crazy. In the 21st century, Royce, you've never had a black to your house for dinner. Really? Really? So do That's you, sad. so, so do you think that, uh, that the rise of the black vote, so, what do you attribute the rise of the black support for Donald Trump to if the Republican Party has all but uh, abandoned this this very potent political uh, this very potent vein of 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 political potential what what is the, is this is this rise of the black support for Trump and the conservative movement all a result of just how bad Joe Biden and the Democrats have have No done? no no but remember, blacks in general have always been conservative. True. I used to have this con uh, conversation with Rush Limbaugh all the time because back in the day, the day I used to do his TV show, and Rush would always walk with me, Jackson, 
there's a growing trend of conservatism in the black community. I say, Rush, you full of crap. Blacks have always been conservative. Right. That's in our blood, in our nature. I said, the problem is you all, white folks, have prostituted the they're word culturally, conservative. They're culturally conservative. They're politically Democrat. Okay, that's a, I've never heard it put that way. That's a great uh, segmentation. Well, and, and, and if you go if you go from the Democrat platform, the way it's evolved, black people by unanimous consent are believe in gender roles. I mean, let's just throw it out there. The gender roles thing. Hey, they wanted to put it at the forefront. I really don't care who you sleep with or how you identify. I really don't. It, it, I, it doesn't matter to me, you know, unless we're going to put you on the front lines of the military then I think I have a, a, a something to say about it. But outside of that, I, I don't really care who you sleep with, how you identify, unless we're going to put you in charge of the nuclear program. Then I got yes. some questions. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so th they put that out in front. We got to deal with it. Black people traditionally believe in gender roles. That's just what it is. Black people traditionally have, have always, um, you know, uh, been – had grandma or grandpa or an elder in the family that believed in Jesus Christ. That just right. is, a, is, a, is a remnant of our time in, in slavery, a remnant of our time in the South. The Bible Belt's the Bible Belt for a reason. A lot of black folks came from the Bible Belt. Now, generationally, they've weeded out the Christianity and faith tradition of the black community by bringing us to liberal public schools all throughout the country, but primarily in the North or, you know, North of the Bible Belt, belt where they, the public school system has become hostile to, towards Christianity, <clears throat> especially at the, the collegiate level. But yeah, black people have always been conservative and we've always been entrepreneurial. And I love when, Hot, uh, not, <clears throat> not Hotep, but Sonny Johnson, Sonny Johnson said the other day, you know, how can you, how can you differentiate the young black man that takes the, the drug racket, let's say? Not that we're condoning it, but he takes the drug racket instead of Marxism and liberalism at the public school. How can you condemn a man who takes the drug racket and says, you know what, I'd rather, I'd rather uh, risk going to jail and dying than take, the, the, um, take the, the stagnation, the political and economic and cultural stagnation that's offered to me at the Marxist liberal public school. I'm starting to be a fan of all these guys who dropped out. I'm starting to be a fan of these guys who went to, you know, boosting coats and, and selling them, you know, at half. And I'm not I'm not trying to paint a caricature. I'm just saying entrepreneurial, Christian, believe in gender roles. These people are your conservatives, uh, you know, have always been. And they've always been the leaders of your communities. Yep. 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 Yeah. But see, again, right. I, I come from a communications background. I'm good with words. That's my call. I've been a columnist for over 25 years, and I didn't realize it's been that long. But and I write. If you've ever watched the ESPYS or the Grammys, you've seen some of my speeches because I do a lot of ghostwriting for a lot of uh, prominent people. But you know, the public doesn't know about. It. That's why they call it ghostwriting. Right. And, right. Uh, uh, and so, I give a speech called EEM. What the eyes see and the ears hear the mind believe. Within the conservative movement, we don't see any credible blacks. We don't hear any credible black. So the mind can't believe that we're welcomed in the conservative movement and MAGA. Mm. Because typically mm. when you see blacks in these circles, 
they are so extreme, say so many ignorant things that you're looking at home on TV and saying, if that's what a black conservative is, I don't want anything to do with it. I can't blame them. I know most of these guys. I don't want to be in the same room with them. Because, Royce, that like, was a time. Like Tim Scott, what do you do? <laughs> Go ahead, keep going. Now look at stop now. Now Tim is my buddy. Yeah, stop. Oh, Tim is your boy? Oh, hold on, wait a second. Hold on. You better call Tim up and tell him that the young conservative uh smash mouth pipe hitter, the hatchet man, said, Don't go up on that national stage no more talking about we need to be ready to fight uh, a, a war on three fronts all at the same time. Don't be going up there pitching that neocon bullshit on national television. <laughs> I don't care how nice you say it, that's some bullshit you talking about. No, no. After the holidays, I would get you up here, man. We'd go out to lunch or dinner and just chew cool. the fat a little bit. I cool. think you would enjoy going and you know, giving a give and take with you, man. And see, and that's the thing is, the cons- you should be a household name within the conservative movement. Thank you. Because you're a free thinker. Even, I mean, I probably agree with you on seven or eight out of ten issues. And, uh, and we don't have to agree on everything, but you got credibility. You're well rested. That's my biggest issue with the Candace Owens of the world. Mm. They're not very well read at all. Mm. And it shows when they open their mouth. If, for example, Candace says something stupid about the Supreme Court decision on affirmative action back in June, well, Royce, let me tell you something. And this is the last time I was on Bannon's show. And that, and he called me afterwards and said, man, that is the best hit you've ever had. And I've been on this show a billion times. The, the, the perspective I bring to the table, Royce, the guy that wrote the affirmative action bill for Richard Nixon was my godfather. Mm-hmm. Black man, Art Fletcher. Mm-hmm. It started out as the Philadelphia plan that morphed into what we now know as affirmative action. Royce, I've sat at the feet of him before he died years ago for over 30 years of my life. I know the inside story about how that was put together. I've sat at the feet of Maynard Jackson, who everyone thought we were related, the first black mayor of Atlanta. I've sat at the feet of Vernon Jordan, Ron Brown, Jesse Jackson I've known since high school. And so when I go out in the media I'm not talking about, Royce, what I read in the history book. I sat at the feet of history and talked directly to them. That's what most black conservatives don't have. I've sat at the feet of these guys before they moved on. And so that's why when I come out with a perspective, it's well thought out. I understand what the liberal argument is because I've sat and talked with these liberal icons, but I also know the the damaging impact of liberalism, especially on black folks, and it was by design. Mm. The devastation we're seeing today with these single parent homes with um, 14, 15 year old girls getting pregnant, these are not accidental uh, events, right? This was by design by these liberal Democrats who claim to love you so much. That's how much they love you. Now, you got conservatives who are more in tune with the black community, but yet, as grandma used to tell me, Roy, your your actions speak so loud, I can't hear a damn thing you're saying. <laughs> and so, again, EEM, 
what the eyes see and the ears hear, the mind believes. And until the conservative movement gets beyond the rhetorical and start bringing in actual substantive things. And again, my biggest fear. Tell me about, yeah, wait, before you go, tell me, tell me about the, affirm, tell me about the affirmative action thing. I want to hear your perspective on it. Cause I, I, there, there are a few of these issues. One of them's policing. Like I, I tell conservatives all the time, you can cuck for the police state. If you want to, you can act like the police are coming to save you. They're not coming to save you. I guarantee you that the chances that the cops get there before you bleed out or before you're, let's say even earlier, before you're the victim of a violent crime are slim to none. They'll come help you after, sure. And they'll use that opportunity just like they use the opportunity of a war or a pandemic or whatever else uh, to, to you know, push their agenda or to, to, you know, or an omnibus bill. Sure, when there's a crisis, we'll, we'll, we'll come and do some, some cleanup and containment, but it's going to cost you. And most of the time it costs you your rights. But, but you know, the, the affirmative action thing, tell me what you, what you, what you mean, because I hear Candace saying, you know, and, and this is Delario, this is, this is your mainstream black conservative who says, look, there was no need to legislate uh, equal opportunity for black folks. That was a scam. It's like, what, what, what world are you people living in? In the 1960s and 70s, there was no need to, to make sure that, I mean, the corporations, we live in a Nazi country. I mean, and, and I'm not saying that as a total condemnation of America, but there was a severe element of, 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 um, racism that existed early in our country's history and then you know they doubled and tripled down when they decided we'll fight a world war against the nazis and then bring some of them into our government it's it's it i mean it was a it was a bullhorn to the black community that race that anti-semitism that that you know uh any of these ideas from the liberal neoliberal neocon establishment were uh were genuine I mean, you can't have an entire global political culture built on fighting against racism, but you let Nazis into two nations on the Security Council. It's ludicrous. But tell me, affirmative action, what do you, what do you mean about, about why it was written? Well, remember, affirmative action was written for black folks in the 60s. But as usual, what white liberals, Democrats, did in the early 70s they start expanding the scope. White women, white suburban women who are sleeping and married to the CEOs of the Fortune 500 company, white women who needed the least. They weren't talking about poor white women. They took upper middle class women, what was the rationale for expanding it beyond the black community. Now you can be from Nigeria, that's an American citizen, and benefit. You can be from China, now an American citizen. So I remember debating Jesse Jackson on BET, and he stopped speaking to me for years uh, because I didn't mean to embarrass him, but I've only done what they all told me to do when I was in high school, Royce, which is, you know, keep your nose clean, go to school, and make a difference. They never stipulated that it had to be through the Democratic Party that I could make a positive difference in my community. And so I had a lot of prominent blacks that you would know who stopped speaking to me for years. And I think I have done more good than a lot of these guys have. They got more name cachet in the media, but on the ground with Pookie and them, hey, when I walk in the hood, I don't need security. Mm. My office used to be where Rayful Edmonds' drug deal was, where his whole name, I used to tutor his kid. 
Rayful Edmonds used to come, big drug dealer for you all outside of D.C. I mean, he was like the Frank Lucas of D.C. Rayful Edmonds, Wayne Perry, that whole D.C. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so when I come to the office in the hood, Rayful and his henchmen will always come up to me, put their arms around me like, anybody mess with you, you let me know. And people thought I was dealing drugs because they saw his kids. I mean, I'm up here tutoring their kids after school. You know, just and so that's how I got my bona fides. And so just like the Voting Rights Act, Royce, that was meant for black folks specifically. And in the early 70s, again, white liberal Democrats started including all these other folks. That's why all your ballots all over the country are, are printed in hundreds of languages in most major cities is because of the 1970s. The Democrat, the voting right, if you can't speak English, you don't need to vote. Because right. in order to be an American citizen, you're required to be proficient in English based on the law, but they waived that. And so with affirmative action, and my girl Ann Coulter and Laura Ingram, I wrote a column, if you Google this, it'll pop up, Black women crucified me. The, the title of the column Royce, was Why Black Men Need More White Women. Oh, my goodness. That's the title. <laughs> it went viral, something crazy. And all, all social media, black women coming in after me. But once they got beyond the emotional rhetoric and read what I wrote, these two white women to this day say affirmative action should have only been for blacks. Period. Laura, you're talking about Laura Ingram and Ann Coulter. A- Ann Coulter, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what the title meant. We need more white women like that. Why is it that a two white women conservative are speaking more to a public policy that's in the benefit of black folks than black women are? Mm. That was kind of the juxtaposition there. Mm. And, oh, and, oh, and oh so, my friend Raynard, that is way too nuanced for your average fifth grade reading level voter, how, how how have you been able to survive this entire time in your career with that type of nuance? I mean, hey, these hey, are things hey, that hey. are completely off limits. You can't even you can't even ask the question. And, and it's just keep going. I'm sorry. Hey, is that the pot calling the kettle black? <laughs> you missed the nuance himself, right? Hey, <laughs> hey, but you know, but at the same time, it's it's cost me. It 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 has it has cost me. And I would venture to guess it will continue to cost me because not only does your average voter, your average citizen, not, not, not conditioned to think with nuance. When they do think with nuance, it's woke. And when the conservatives, the people who say they want to save the country, run into nuance and critical thought, they get nervous. You know, so we, we, I, I've said, you know, this in, in the last couple of weeks as I've started to hear more conversation kick up from both sides. It seems like the best constituency to have is no constituency. And as somebody who's running for United States Senate, that, seemed, that, that, that is seen as political suicide. But I'm playing the long game. If we still have a country, uh, then, then my political career is just getting started. And hopefully time will, will, um, will vindicate me uh, 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 of the need in nuance and critical thought. But, but, but the reality is, is right now, you and I, and I feel bad, I feel for you over the last 20, 20 some years of your career, you and I have no constituency, and this is part of the frustration, you know. And it's it, even Anne and you know and Laura and you know that they're cool. They say that that's a very insightful point for them. Let tell me about the neocon. I got I can't even let you off the hook without talking about Bush and Rove and Cheney 
and how that whole shit went down. I mean, this is probably right up there amongst the the biggest political Ponzi schemes and crimes in America's history by by my by my reading of it with what happened in Iraq and and that whole forever war and and the the fucking uh uh, what what was Rumsfeld's thing? Um, uh, Halliburton and all of that stuff. So tell me, to what 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 was the time like under Bush's administration? And what's your take on what went down with the Bushes? And why are these guys so hell bent on, on on you know seeing the country go up in flames? What 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 is their deal? Well, again, my, I did my graduate thesis back in the nineties on NAFTA. I was a big proponent of NAFTA. Now that I look back at it, that was a horrible, horrible decision on my part. But I went with the information I had and the uh, the intellectual wisdom I had at that age, because I was, heck, maybe my early 30s at that point or something like that. Yeah. And now it's like, Royce, the older I get, the more conservative I get. Pat Buchanan is a liberal compared to me. I mean, on substantive issues, Pat Buchanan, and I used to do his radio show all the time back in the day, he was way ahead of his time, way ahead of his time. And so with the the Bush administration and and those neocons, remember, they come from a line of uh, family businesses. Their default position is always to do what's in the best interest of their business interest and America second. We are being sold out by corporate leaders. And I was having this discussion with a reporter yesterday. Royce, as much as I like money, I'd much rather make less money if it means more national security. But I'm an outlier. Most people today say, the hell with our national security. I want to make as much money as I can. Mm -hmm. And so we have politicians who are pushing agendas that are antithetical to the longevity and survivability of our own country. That's foreign to me. Mm-hmm. That is totally foreign. I used to be the biggest free trader you would ever talk to. Now I've concluded, Royce, there's no such thing as free trade. The best you can hope for is fair trade. Mm. And what country other than America ever subjugate, subjugates its own interests to the benefit of global elites? Nobody. Well, all these head fund managers, all these corporate CEOs, yeah. they don't give a damn about our longevity. Long as they're making money themselves, not maximizing shareholder value. It's like, how is this benefit me as CEO? Mm-hmm. That's their default position. And so, um, and, and but see, people like us who are not neocons, where our problem and the movement's problem is, the conservative movement and mega are incompetent when it comes to communication, incompetent. Mm. And we're losing the rhetorical debate, even though we, we have the, have the, substance, the, 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 the substance of position. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But if they caricature you, it though, they, they step all over themselves. I mean, you know, and I see it and, and every time I see it, I just cringe because, you know, social media has built this echo chamber type culture where, you know, now I'm I'm on this side of the movement or that side. I'm on no side of the movement. I'm on America's side of the movement. And I have just as much question if these Republicans or these patriots really love the country they say they do because you let Satanists take your country. And it really wasn't so subtle. So, I, I mean, I, I'm questioning your Christianity. I'm questioning your patriotism. I know what the Marxists are about because they're not hiding it. They're, there's no thin veneer 
I mean, you know, Joe Biden can talk democracy all he wants, but I mean, that's about the thinnest veneer of of propaganda you possibly could imagine. You can't talk pro-democracy and then honor a man who runs the most anti-democratic regime in human history in in China. I mean, it just it the two don't compute. They're, they they don't, they don't work. Um, so I know what the left is doing, but the right has been has been commissioned, you could say, ordained by by God to help save this country through an edifice of Christian and and, and country, you know patriotic beliefs. But they're real they're real undercooked. They're half baked. And so when I see it, you, go ahead. Let me yeah. give you a, a, a reason. I wrote two back to back columns, which I rarely ever do. I've only done that three times in twenty five years about your boy, Vivek Ramaswamy. This boy is, I don't even think he's borderline anymore. He's straight up racist. Why is it that when he decided to go to... Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, wait, what? I need to be nuanced again? No, 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 go ahead, tell me, tell me the pitch. This is Please Call Me Crazy. I'm going to have Vivek Ramaswamy and Raynard get on the podcast together. We'll see if we can pull that. Go ahead. Oh, I'd love to do that because he's been running from me because of these two columns. Okay. Because remember, he wrote an editorial, I think, in June in the New York Post, contorting his hand, patting himself on the back because he went to the hood in Chicago. Yeah. And so my rebuttal to that was if you, he, one of the guys, I forget his name, Tyrone, I think, my fact, it was Tyrone. Walked up to him at the at his event in Chicago and said, "Hey, I spent 21 years in jail, and you know I'm having a hard time finding a job." Mm-hmm. And basically, what, what Vivek said, "Oh, go thy way and be full." And I wrote in my column, "If you wanted to prove to me that you were serious about engaging in the black community, when Tyrone came up to you and said he was having a hard time getting a job, why didn't you bring him on your campaign staff? Find a job for you. Got all these companies that you own." You didn't think to put them in the mailroom, sweeping the floor, doing stuff, if you gave a damn. But you know, see, you know, listen, it, listen, listen to me. You know what? That is a, that is a very, very insightful thing to to say. And but, you know what? No, no, there's no buts. You know, I like Vivek. Me and him, you know, we have a, a relationship, obviously. I did his podcast. I think when it comes to the issues, he's sharp. He's tactful. He's good on his feet. He's causing the establishment a lot of hell. But even the people who we like the most can be, can be better. They can get better. But and if, right. you don't, if you don't like a Raynard telling you that you can be better, look, it's like me. If somebody comes to me with a genuine insight, it, we, we've, we've become a yes man sort of movement. Now, I'm not, I, I don't think Vivek is racist by in, in, intentionality. Oh. I don't think, but I'm gonna start calling you Stevie Wonder because obviously you can't see. I don't think he's racist by intentionality. He may, he may be. Look, we've all been subject to, we've all Raynard, we've all been subject to this this race by default. Sort of, you know, we we um we play the game of corporate interest. We play the game of propaganda, propaganda and approval and and public consensus and. And all of these things have a tilt to them, right? I mean, when I, for example, me, the conservative movement will say, they'll say, you use too much profanity. Now, I haven't used much profanity on this episode because I'm in the astute company of the great Raynard Jackson. <laughs> but they'll say, uh, you use too much profanity. And, and what you're really saying is, you don't like an angry black guy. I mean, that's what you're really saying. And, and you know, and what you're really saying even furthermore is, 
we would rather the country go up in flames than have the leadership of the angry black guy because we don't really we don't really know where that leads to, right? So you know, I, I get, and I don't agree with that. I think we need to change it, but I also understand there's an entire spectrum of ideas that need to come forward and be sorted out in due time. So you know, but, but, I, I, I like what Vivek is saying. I like what he's doing. I'm still watching him like we should watch everybody. And I hope he's still watching me as, as a political candidate. We all should be watchful of each other. But you can't just say the man is racist. Like, okay, if he's okay. racist, if he's racist, is Carl Rove racist? Well, hold on, hold on. Let, let, right. let, let, let me keep you in this narrow box for the moment. All right, all right. Um, early in this show, we were talking about this subtle type of racism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the more dangerous type because see, I used to have lunch with David Duke back in the day and people would see me at a restaurant. I'm like, why would you want to be with someone like that? That basically says black folks ain't worth being around. Yeah. I said, I know what he believes. Give me my racist up front mind. and out in, I'm not in the changing open. His mind. Give, me, give me my racist up front and out in the open. Right, exactly. I know what I'm working with. Mm -hmm. So why would it with your boy Vivek? And I hope you can get us together. Seriously. And when I, later today, I'm gonna email you those two columns I did. Okay. And because he's read them, but he's too afraid to talk to me because he know I'll chew a new one in them. So why would Vivek, if he really wanted to engage with the black community, mm -hmm. and this is why I love to ask him face to face, uh, Roy, why was your default position? to go to the hood. If you wanted to get, why didn't you say, let me find 10, 15, 20 black entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur, so we, we can have that discussion. But isn't it amazing that most prominent conservatives, when they want to engage in the black community, they always go to the hood, go to a welfare mother, go to a dude who used to be strung out on drugs. Why do they never ever go to the black businessman. Explain okay. that oh, to me. Okay, I, I'm gonna try my best. I can't speak for anybody particularly, but I, 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 can, I can try and uh, explain the sentiment. Um, from, a, from a political uh, communications or propaganda even, in some people's cases, and there's a difference. Some people are doing it for genuine strategy. Some people really believe in it. Some people are just doing it for for propaganda, but I would I would venture to guess that the strategy is something like trying to communicate that the people who are most affected and downtrodden by these liberal and Democrat policies from a political standpoint, who are most downtrodden by those policies are the ones that they want to get on the record saying that they are living in hell, right? This is what you're seeing with the immigration thing. I just saw it yesterday. They had the black women stand up there in Chicago or uh, the black folks stand up there in Chicago and say, hey, we, we're not going to give our money. Why are these conservatives not bringing busloads of them up here next month to testify before Congress? That That's would be a good do. question, my friend. That is a very good question. And and the, the point you're making, the point that Ray, and I want everybody out there to understand. I The, the point that you're making, I think I'm, you're making, correct me if I'm wrong. You can say what you want. But at the end of the day, there's still a threshold you're unwilling. There's a glass ceiling that you're unwilling to break through that would actually make these things hit home. Right. And so when he's criticizing Vivek, what he's saying is and, and Vivek is he's saying Vivek's my boy. Look, we're all comrades. You know, you either believe in having a country or you don't. Now, 
there are people who say they believe in having a country, and maybe they really don't, and time will tell. And, and, and look, I'm willing to put my record in the things I'm going to stand on up against anybody, regardless of who my friends are now or maybe in the future. There's going to be some people that come out of nowhere who were in complete opposition of me who may end up being my best friends and, and greatest comrades later on in the fight. Time will tell. Um, and I don't preclude miracles. So, uh, you know, my point with Vivek is what what the criticism is, is. And maybe he just overlooked it. Come on, Raynard, the presidential campaign's hard as hell. It's a lot of shit going on. OK, okay. right. But okay, what? So I, but I agree with you. But I agree with you, though. The real move would have been, you know what? If you having trouble getting a job and I understand that the liberal Marxist communist edifice of this political elite has burdened you. Come on with me. That's what that's what a Jesus Christ figure would have done. Remember right? when Trump encountered a similar situation at his Trump Hotel in 2016 when he was running? Yep. A black female yep. stood up and asked him a question. She had a hotel back. He hired the girl. He gave her the job. That's right. She was qualified. So there was no dispute about that's that. That's right. Even if she wasn't qualified, you can train people to be to 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 do the job. Yeah. And see, the other thing is, Roy, again, if he had went to the black entrepreneur. If he was so interested in Pookie and them and Raheem, wouldn't it make more logical sense to meet with the black businessman, the black businessman say, hey, I got some folks who kind of had a rough life. I want to bring you into a, a community center. Mm. Now you got the validation of the local businessman. So then the media can't write it off as some political stunt because that black businessman got credibility in the hood. Now, also, Royce, if you got limited time and money, which presidential campaigns both have, yeah. you're going to the hood, and these are the demographics that are least likely to vote, whereas the black businessman is the most likely to vote. Right. So but, I but, see but, all but kind of flaws in that. We, 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 I know you got to run today, and we're going to have to continue this, this conversation. Yeah, hopefully, we got you, man. Hopefully I can hook you up. I'll hook you up with Vivek if I can and, and get you guys together, and, and I hope he's open to taking 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 the criticism as a as – a, look, out of all of the conservatives that they threw up there for these debates, Vivek is far and away the best, and it, and it speaks – He's talented. He's talented it, as hell. It, it, but it, it just speaks to the, the rot in the Republican Party and the RNC – that out of all of this, they would prop up Nikki Haley and the liberal establishment, Chris Cuomo's, on on his primetime YouTube uh, show in in in, in political uh, media exile for for being a little too touchy feely or whatever happened with him. I don't even remember, and I don't even believe the Me Too claim. Any any guy on the left who comes subject to Me Too claims, this is a this is that matter of sacred honor. Yeah, I don't agree with these people. I don't like these people. I think that they're dishonest. But when they get hit with a Me Too claim to take them down, I never celebrate. I never cheer. I say, yeah. oh, that's bullshit. They, they're just using that to ax him out. He pissed somebody off over there. Now, I will say, oh, you know, you, you a subject, you know, live by the gun, die by the gun. Live by the sword, die by the sword. But I don't, I don't celebrate and cheer. Um, my point is, Vivek is far and away the best candidate so far. And part of the reason is, the the views are greatly the edifice of War Room and and Steve Bannon. I'm just gonna say it. And, see, and the I, Tea Party and populist movement, he's pitching. He said what what Vivek is trying to do, and maybe he wants to be VP. Maybe the, I don't know what his whole game is because we're not that close. But yeah. I I talked to him about issues, and and what I can say is what he did was he was like, look, 
there's an America first position in there, in this MAGA movement, that's even more hard line that I can still deliver with a soft touch, right? Right, and right. that's what he's yeah. tried to do. What's interesting about him is he I think he has a bright future, but he's going to have to tone down the arrogance. But what I like about him, he's a mini Trump in the sense that he has this innate ability. And it's a gift from God. There's no you can't go to school for this yeah. of taking issues and speaking in a manner that everybody understands. Yeah. That's a gift from God there. If he if he polishes that instinct up. He can be a political threat for decades to come, but yeah. he has got to learn how to go in and stop talking down to people. And one of the things Oral told me um, when I worked for him for four years at Oral Roberts University, he said, go into every man's world and meet them at the point of their need. When he went to Chicago, then to Philly, and see, he stopped bragging about going to the damn hood. He didn't bring them solutions. He came in and used them as a political backdrop and kept it moving. He did a drive-by. Yeah. And so tell me what solutions he has for these people in Chicago and Philly other than conservatism, more individual freedom, lower taxes. That means nothing. Those are just uh, political rhetorical ticks mm -hmm. that become a sounding brass or a tingling symbol full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Well, I, I agree with you. Now, the, the, the tough part, and this is for everybody. This is for me, you, Steve, Vivek, Trump, everybody. There's this election that's coming up here in 2024, and then there's the real substantive work of what we're going to do to root this shit out. And, and once we do that, look, Trump, as, as great as it, full support from me, 2024, I'll, 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 I'll walk right up to the front line uh, on behalf of his, of his candidacy, um, but at the same time, after that four years is done, you know, they say that you can, uh, you can go back, you can look at the results and go back and infer the motive. At the end of these four years, we're going to see what everybody was really interested in. And, and that's going to have, have huge ramifications going forward for the country and for the party and for the movement. Um, so I, I hope that, that Donald Trump gets a, a, a great brain trust of people around him this time that that empower him not not that need to give him ideas he hasn't thought about but to empower him to go even harder than he went the first time and i think he's already leaning in that direction because so many of these establishment shills have have knifed him in the back but you know one of the things with the black community is we need to be very unabashed about marxism and and communism and and but see, right right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from a communication perspective i know what you're talking about but the average listener, we have to start defining terms as we speak them. Mm -hmm. We, the average person, don't, when you start talking about you know, fascism and Marxism, yeah. they don't know what the hell we're talking about. You well, and I are insiders. Well, and you're right. The scary part is, the, the scary part about it is the Marxists, and the, they actually do know the terms. And in, but increasingly, Reynard, I can't tell you how many young people my age have a loose affiliation with these terms like communism and Marxism and have no clue their origin, right? right? Because they're teaching them in the school, yeah. right? And, and in their little political science class, they're, they're smuggling these, these really complex historical terms into the lexicon of black folks who have, have no real uh, understanding of history, but they know they're Marxist. They know they're communists. They right. know they don't like capitalism. They know they're anti-American. They know they're 
pro Hamas or they or they don't like Kanye because he's anti-Semitic. So they're getting all these superficial terms. But but I agree with you. Let's make it simpler. Yeah, we have yeah. to weed the the posh, affluent, yuppie, snotty nose, uppity white liberal woman out of the public school system in the black community. It has to happen. And, it ha- and, and, and the universities, for that matter, as well, because all these Democrat liberal policies are, are getting their, their, uh, their, their political capital straight from the universities in the way that all of your professionals, now mind you, a lot of your black elites and professionals, the ones who are educated, they were educated, and it's not just them, because the neocons went to, went to uh, you know, liberal universities as well. Liberalism has taken the whole country. I mean, even where there's conservatism, there's all these faint hints of liberalism, which is why the, the Republican Party is split 50-50. 50% of them are real conservatives. The other 50% are paper, paper conservatives, and they went to liberal university, and they still hang out with all of the, the corporate, you know, the corporate uh, groups. So um, pardon shots. Where can we follow? Where can we listen? We got to have you back. I'm going to try and hook you up with Vivek. But we got to do a part two soon, man, because you, you, you're yeah, a I real insider. What, over the holidays, when things are a little slower, why don't we just get together and do this where we, we have a couple of hours just to chew the fat? Three. Three oh, hours. Okay, three let's hours. do it. Okay. Over the holidays, let's do it later on this month. We'll, we'll work it out, man. But no, they can reach me at Raynard Jackson, um, the real Raynard J on uh, Twitter, whatever the hell you call it. I'm on, um, what you call it? Uh, Getter. Get. <laughs> Get her, just Raynard Jackson. Just Google my name, Raynard Jackson. All my social media comes up, my website, my political stuff. I, I, that's enough of me out there on the internet that'll keep you all busy for now to kingdom come. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks for giving us the time today. Have a great, great week. Have a great weekend. Um, make sure that you tune into the live chat. I want to see you in the live chat giving some people some hell because I know what the comments are going to be already. But there's not a better uh, a political insider uh, for for the Republican Party and, and the conservative movement than Raynard Jackson, highly esteemed, been at the top of the heap, been involved in all of the who's who's of of power and and um, and and you know the the insider baseball that takes place there in D.C. and all across the country. So we appreciate your work, brother. We appreciate your time and your insights, your honesty. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again over the holidays. Thanks, man. Look forward to it, my friend. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the great Raynard Jackson. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. I always enjoy talking to Raynard. He's a very spirited, passionate, uh, and, and, and down-to-earth individual uh, when it comes to matters of, of American politics and the black community. And look, you know, Raynard's been operating in the Republican Party and conservative movement for a long, long time. And, and when you see the conservative movement or the Republican Party ignore advice from somebody who has expertise in the field it's an indictment of the leadership and you know it's nothing new we've been indicting the leadership look we're calling for rana to resign and i'll i'll reiterate uh that that point right here tonight rana romney mcdaniel should resign immediately and i think uh in our next family and friends guest episode we're going to have the 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 great trent staggs who's running for united states senate there in utah uh, against the highest level of of the uh, uniparty constabulary, uh, the, the the stronghold of of Mitt Romney, uh, who is as as much a uniparty stalwart as anybody else in the country for sure, and and you know niece niece Ronna 
you know, all these people, their their whole pitch is things aren't that bad. You know, it, it's it's not that bad. Every, every everything is 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 going a okay. It's going just as planned. This is the managed decline of of the West, and, and these people are at the helm, and they want to tell you, hey, you know, never fret, <laughs> never fret, American citizens. Things are 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 going just the way we want them to. Uh, the question is why they believe that you'll accept such a uh, such a undermining of your own citizenship, such an undermining of of the, your own quality of life. Uh, and and the answer is they believe you're stupid, and and they can say they're conservative, they can say that they're different than their liberal counterparts for the WWE mainstream uh, media political porn for you know people who get their their politics with French fries. They can say it there, but when push comes to shove, these two uh, factions of individuals are part of a, a theater put on to protect the status quo of the neoliberal and neoconservative world order. Um, Raynard Jackson is not one of those individuals, and uh, I look forward to hopefully being able to connect him and Vivek, and I hope that everybody in the conservative movement has thick enough skin to take criticism. Uh, certainly I do. Now, it, with all due respect, Vivek has has the uh, the right to tell Raynard Jackson to go fuck himself. That's just, that's what it is. I mean, that's that's perfectly within his right to do so. Um, and, and the same goes for anybody out there, uh, myself, Steve Bannon, Donald Trump, anybody in the movement, doesn't matter who. We don't always have to agree, but we shouldn't shy away from confronting each, uh, confronting each other uh, with our differences of opinion. We need to sort those things out in the movement. That's part of how, the movement got corrupted in the first place or the Republican party, you could say got or the American people is, you know, everybody did well to pass the buck. It was more convenient to pass the buck. It was more convenient to avoid the conflict, to hash out the ideas and create this, 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 uh, hodgepodge, uh, or melting pot of, of ideas that eventually just became incompatible in, in, in direct conflict. And, uh, you know, we try to pacify it as though all these ideas, all these cultures, all these, these, these truths, all these individual truths could exist alongside one another. Uh, but, but when we look at Cosmopolitan magazine and they're having, uh, uh, you know, fluff pieces that, that all but promote uh, satanic abortion rituals as, a, 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 you know, some type of reasonable or or uh, appropriate cultural practice we see that all ideas can't coexist and and we need to start to have those tough discussions and it's not at just at those extremes right it's not between the group which they would include me in that they describe as christo fascists and the the atheists or the uh the anti-god left secular scientific managerial elite or in some cases the satanic uh, uh, followers, the Satanists. It's not just between those two extremes. Uh, it's also within the movement. I mean, within our own individual, you know, cohorts of, of people who are in most part on the same team. There are ideas that need to be hashed out between us. There are strategies, there are perspectives, there is history that needs to be hashed out and there is um, uh, a vision of the future. That needs to be hashed out. And, and if we can do that, we can save the nation. If we can't do that, if we don't have the, the humility or the, the courage to do that, then we can't save the nation. And so, you know, I, I caution everybody out there in the movement uh, 
Um, it's easy. It's easy for us to keep our alignment when we are faced with opposition. What's hard to do is take tough criticism and still march forward. That was the the sole source of the rift that recently happened between Jason Whitlock and I. Couldn't take the criticism. You know, he couldn't take the criticism that sports is is, is an afterthought when the Department of Defense loses half of the the inventory or when um, you know. Uh, any number of things are taking place, some of which I can't even, I feel, you know, strapped to not even mention because this past week I had my, my episode taken down and I was suspended for medical misinformation. And me even saying it now reiterates to everybody in the crowd and the audience that there's an overlord that can suspend you or, or deplatform you for saying things that you believe. And so that is a problem. And ironically, Strange to say, and, and I don't say this in, in a conspiratorial fashion, but a person like Jason Whitlock, for some odd reason, is allowed to go on YouTube every night almost and, you know, allude to the idea that there is something very corrupt taking place within the medical industrial complex of this country. And I don't see him being suspended. I don't see him getting strikes. And and I don't wish that upon him. I I, I certainly... Uh, would rather see him be able to post and, and, and get his information and content out there than not. But it just goes to show you that the establishment and the algorithm and, and the overlords have already corrected for people who they deem less dangerous than others. And that, that's not out of their reach. You have to understand that's, that's not beyond them to correct for who they really view is more of a threat than, than the next person. And so we'll let this person say a little bit more because in actuality, they won't take it to the place necessary to, to destabilize the status quo. Um, so we got to grow thicker skin in the movement. That's the reality. And I love having Raynard Jackson on because he just gives it to you real, the way that he, the way that he really thinks. And I, 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 whether I agree or not, I always respect, admire, and am uh, fulfilled by people who speak their minds. Part of the reason why I've grown to love Donald Trump, win, lose, or draw, like him, hate him, uh, love him, agree, disagree, he's going to tell you what he thinks. And we need more of that in the country today. So that's it for me. Uh, visit freepeopleradio.com to find out where you can watch and listen to the podcast. You can also buy and purchase from our store. You can also go to freepeopleradio.store, and that leads you directly to the store and we have great merchandise there that you can purchase to help support the movement, to help support the podcast and the content. We hope you will. Um, I'm really happy about a lot of the merchandise that, that ended up coming out of the launch of the store. We have more merchandise to come uh, and we, we plan to be here for a long time, God willing. So um, feel free to drop into the store, get some merchandise. This is some of the first collections of a long, a long lifespan of free people radio and, and, and this podcast and other podcasts like it. So uh, we hope, we hope you, uh, you find some joy in being on the early, early, um, early memorabilia of, of the start of this, this great movement, in, in our opinion. Uh, we thank you for your support. We thank you for your viewership and listenership today and in the future. Uh, have a great rest of your week. The fight continues. Please don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.